shared with us. Can you give it up for my friends, Brandon and Becca Kelly, all the way from Stillville, Missouri. God bless you. Well, it's glad, I'm glad to be with you guys this morning. Uh, man, I could tell you this, that over the last year that Hope City has been uh, birthed, uh, Becca and I are like social media magnets to what Hope City is doing, all right? And so Alec, whoever's in charge of it, post some more stuff on social media because I love seeing what God is doing at Hope City Church, amen? Um, and so, so it's an honor to be here with you and with Pastor Mike and Tara and, um, and let me just tell you this, that, that my ministry of where I am today is because these two believed in Becca and I. And um, in 2004, my father started a church in Columbia, and uh, I was in Bible college, and, and my dad said, hey, come and be my youth pastor. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay. And we went and we did our first service in Columbia, and we had seven kids there, and I, I kid you not, and this isn't a slam, five of them had special needs, and it was like that for about six months, and I went to Solid Rock, went to Jeff City, and visited with Pastor Mike, and he said, hey, let me tell you something, he said, you need to get a van, and you start picking some kids up, and uh, God is my witness that we started picking kids up, and it totally transformed Becca and I's life. Forget the work that God was doing on these kids' life. It transformed our lives, and it created this, this hunger and this passion to reach this next generation. Here I am, 41 years old, and you know what I'm still doing? Still doing student ministry. Why? Because we've got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the next generation. If we fail to do so, hold on just a second. If we fail to do so, the world is going to come in and they're going to do it for us, amen? They're going to put some anxiety in their life. They're going to put some depression in their life. They're going to put some fear in their life. They're going to put all these things in their life. And we've come, Hope City Church, with the message of hope that God is still on the throne, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we put all of our hope and all of our trust and all of our confidence in it, amen? Amen. So as I've been inspired by this couple, I pray that you've been inspired by this couple and what they've done. And it's not just about a church in four walls, but it's about taking the gospel out into the highways and the byways of Jefferson City, Missouri and the surrounding communities. Amen. Amen. And so we're here today. We got the little one. She's sleeping. She doesn't want to hear dad preach anyway. All right. And that's cool. All right. Uh, she got up way early this morning, so she's like napping it out. The other two are with my mom and dad. Uh, Bree sings. She is 17 years old. I don't know how I got a 17-year-old kid, but somehow I do. And uh, she's driving and driving us crazy, all right? And uh, Brooklyn, all they want when they're 17 is money. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You fill my car up. Can you do this? Can you do that? And that's Bree right now, man. She just wants a dollar bill, man. I had to meet her this morning. Make sure she had some money for lunch for after church today, all right? And so that's the, that's the job of a parent. But for a few moments, and I want to talk to you of what you've been talking about this month, and that's overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. And uh, I'm reminded of, of stories in my life where I've had to express or I've had to see God through a lens that's bigger than my situation. And so many times, I, as I've studied and I've planned and I've prepped over the last couple of weeks for today, I, I sat back and I evaluated my life of where I am. And I'm like, man, there's not much fear happening in my life because I know that God's bigger than what I go through. 
But how many times do you know this, that it's when we least expect it, that's when the enemy comes into our lives, and we look back and we're like, man, where's that podcast on fear? Where's those notes that I once took on fear? So you may be encountering something today that fear isn't in your life, but I can tell you one way or another, you're going to come across a moment in your life where your firm foundation is going to have to be on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And if it's not, then the winds and the waves of this world is going to come against you, and it's going to alter your faith. In Psalms 23 verses 1 through 6, a very familiar passage of scripture and as I begin to read it this morning, you're going to be like, man, I've heard this so many times. And so we will read that this morning. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. The worship we just had this morning, it refreshed my soul. When worry and doubt and fear come into my life, you know what I need? I need a time of worship too, refreshing my soul. Verse number, the next part says this, he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. When Beck and I, one of the things that we've done in our life is we've been part of an internship program at River Point. And I asked Becca the details of the story this morning because I wanted to get them right, all right? If you know anything about my lovely wife, she's going to set me straight on the details if I got them wrong, all right? Maybe your wife's the same way, all right? Hey, that's not how that went. And you're just like, man, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just whatever, you know? And so we ran this, inter- or we were part of this internship, and we were actually students in this program. And if you know anything about River Point Christian Camp, uh, we're in the middle of the woods and there are leaves everywhere. Pastor Mike almost burnt down the parsonage burning leaves one time, all right? True story. He can tell you that story, all right? And uh, we, were burn- they- we were raking leaves and burning leaves and they had seen a snake. Anybody afraid of snakes in this house? A lot of hands just went up. And the director at that time seemed Becca and she- he knew that she was deathly afraid of snakes. And so he picked up a long old night crawler about yay long. And he went and he flicked that night crawler right on her. And I don't know if it was the Holy Ghost that got upon her that day or if it was the spirit of fear that got on her that day. But there was a fear that gripped her life. You see, we, we deal with some tangible things in our life that makes us fearful. We, we deal with, my, my daughter started driving last year, and, and I probably have prayed more since she started driving than I ever prayed before. Why? Because there was a fear that came over me. I know what kind of driver I was. If you know me as a kid, you knew what kind of driver I was. It wasn't very good. I'm a distracted driver. I'm, uh, the radio's on, and thank God we just passed laws for cell phones because I want to be on that sucker and all these different things. And so when she started driving, man, I was like, Jesus, be with her. Everywhere she goes, she walks through. Bree, I'm praying for you. The blood of Jesus is with you. I cast out every devil of hell. It's going to be all right. Why? Because I was so afraid of what Bree was going through. And what we see in Psalms is this, is we see that we see the beginning part of where we were reminded that God is faithful. We are reminded that God is faithful. We we are reminded that we can put our trust 
in God's guidance, we're reminded that he is our shepherd. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God can lead me and he can guide me. And, and, and the places that I need to go, that I put my trust in him. I recognize that God has wisdom. I recognize that God has love. I recognize that, that I can put my faith and my trust and my confidence in him. Why? Because he's not going to lead me astray. He's not going to distract me. He's going to put me on the path that I need to be on. And he's going to lead me to where I go. So I put my full trust Faith and confidence in God, knowing that he's faithful. Amen? Amen. My grandma's 89 years old, all right, 89 years old, and she still drives a vehicle, still lives on her own, and still so faithful to the house of God. And you know what I look at when I see my 89-year-old grandma? If God can be faithful for her from decade after decade after decade after decade, do you not think that God's going to meet me in my trials and my situations and my struggles? Bless God, he is. Amen? Amen. This, the, the, the other part of that is, is this, is that we can seek God's direction. You ever wondered, where am I going? What am I doing? What's happening in my life? Why does it feel like the people around me is forsaking me? Listen, I put my direction in my life in the hands of God. I say this all the time, and this isn't to throw a poor, poor pity party on Beck and I. All of our income, I don't know what our income is month to month, because it's all love offerings that come in and come in and come in. God, I put that in your hands. My provider is not this job that I call River Point Christian Camp or the Southern Missouri District. My job, my provider is Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. So I put everything I have that I have in his hands. And he leads me and he guides me. He has patience with me. And he leads me where I need to go. The point number two is this. Is that we can rest in God's provision. The second part of that opening statement is this. It says, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. You know, it's hard to not be worried all the time. My mom is a worrier. My sister is a worrier. I look at my sister sometimes. She's a school teacher. If you're a school teacher, we'll play, pray special blessings over you at the end of the service today, all right? My sister's a worrier. And so many times we've got to realize that we lack nothing in God and that God is our provider and he's going to give to us what we need in the time that we need it. And my sister will begin to worry and fret and, and, and she's had a bad day at school and it carries over into her home life because she's worried about what the parent's going to say and what, what the grade's going to say at the end of the semester. And let me tell you something, Hope City Church. My provision is in God and I can rest assured knowing that God is never going to leave me and he's never going to forsake me. And he is with me always. He's with you always. He's with you on the job. He's with you whether, uh, when your car breaks down. He's with you and everywhere that you go. And we can put our trust and our provision in God. One of the things that helps us put our trust and our provision is God is our thankfulness and our surrender. Our thankfulness and our surrender. My favorite holiday of the year is probably Thanksgiving. It's the non-commercialized Christmas, all right, right, amen? Except for my aunt, she's got this tablecloth we've been signing for 34 years, and we're writing the same thing on the tablecloth, all right? I'm not judging her. I just don't get it, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what she wants to do, cool deal. But what happens, we're moving into the season of thankfulness where we see what God's provision is for our life, and, and we, we, we're, we're thankful for all that God has done. Another way that we recognize that 
we can recognize God's thankfulness is through prayer. We just had fall retreat on the campground, and I spoke on priorities in our life. And, and so many times we, we want to dip into the things of God. And I had a, I had a cup. Anybody like tea in the house? Any tea drinkers in the house? I like tea. I like flavored tea, and I like it with a lot of sugar. That's why I got this awesome figure I got right now, all right? Give me, give me some of that peace tea. Man, I'm going to slam about four cans of that sucker right now, all right? But what we want to do when it comes to things of God is we want to dip in. And if you know anything about tea, the longer that tea stays in that packet, the stronger that that tea gets. So many times when, when fear and all these emotions come along us, what we're really doing is we're dipping in on a Sunday morning and we're dipping right back out. We're, we're, we're dipping into God's word just when we need it. And we, we pray these prayers. God, I was faithful to you and I went to your house, so now you got to do something for me. Or we pray these prayers. We're like, God, if, if, if you do this, I'm going to serve you with the best life I got and I'm going to go to church every single Sunday. If you do this for me, I'm going to read 52 chapters a day in the Bible from now until you come back. And all of a sudden, what happens? We get let down and it doesn't work out. But when we're not faithful to God, there's no provision that can happen inside of our lives. And so what we do is we dip in a little bit and then we dip out. I don't know about you, but I want to be all in for the things of Jesus Christ. When the storms and the fear and the anxiety and the worry come, I want to be stable upon the rock which Christ has built in our heart and in our life. Point number three is this, is we seek God's peace and stillness. We see in Psalms 23 that it says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. There ain't no pastures in the state of Missouri that's been green since last year because there's been no rain, all right? Um, but he makes me lie down in green pastures. We live in this world that, that, that there's no quietness in our world. We're, we're constantly bombarded by these things called cell phones. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The greatest thing that Apple, if you use an Android, you don't even have a cell phone. No, I'm just kidding, all right? I'm just, I'm just kidding, all right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't judge me, all right? That was a joke. <laughs> I'm done, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I got a cousin. He's like, man, I got, I got the new Android. And I was like, oh. You got a flip phone. All right, cool. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> Someone's coming up to me after this. You're going to hate on me, all right? But these phones, here's what happens. The greatest thing Apple did was the, the focus mode or the do not disturb mode. Because we've we're, we're got all this stuff going on, and it's information overload constantly. This notification's coming off, and this alarm's going off. You ever been with the, with the boomer generation, and the alarm's going off at 4 o'clock in the afternoon so they can eat dinner and take their medicine, all right? I'm just kidding. But the reality is this, is that we're constantly bombarded. That's my dad, just so you know, all right? <laughs> dad, calm down. Shut that off. He's got the... Uh, I'm distracted now. Here we go. He's got the text deal on where it makes a noise every time he hits a button. And you're like, Dad, shut that off. I didn't even know that function existed. But we're so bombarded with all this distraction. And, and we do an internship class, and I call it, uh, it's like white noise that's on a TV. 
where nothing's really tuned in, nothing's really focused, and everything is going off. And when we want to find peace and stillness in God, sometimes we've got to shut the distractions off. We've got to shut the TV off. We've got to get into the presence of God. Listen to me. The greatest thing that Mike Coley never said that I've stolen every, t- every time I speak all the time is this, is we used to sing a song called Every Day. Y'all remember it. And we only want to worship God on Wednesdays because we were youth guys, right? You singing it in your head right there, all right? But God wants to be with us on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. And at 1045 on Sunday morning in his house. And so we want to be still in the presence of God. Point number four is this, is we have to embrace God's protection. And this is the nuts and bolts of where we're at this morning. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I face uncertainty, I will fear no evil. How many times do we see that uncertainty? We see that struggle. And what do we do? We try to fix it ourselves. We worry, we're afraid, we're fearful. One seed of of doubt is planted in our minds. And all of a sudden it captivates our minds for five minutes, for ten minutes, for an hour, for a day. The other night I was worried about something going on. And if you know me at all, I want to sleep. And man, 10 o'clock hits and I'm going to bed. Like, I don't care what you got going on. You have the TV on, I don't care. But some worry hit my mind. 11 o'clock hit the clock. 12 o'clock hit the clock. 1 o'clock hit. And I'm still up, and I'm like, man, Brian, you got to shut off. And finally, I laid there that night, and I said, God, oh, man, you're a lifesaver. I laid there that night. I said, God, you got to shut my mind off. you got to let me slow down. And we get stuck in this valley sometimes. And all we see is the reality that's in front of us. And we forget that the foundation of Psalms 23 is this, is that the God that I serve is there to guide me. He's there to walk through me. He's there to be with me. He's there to guide the steps that I have. You see, the faith in the conviction of God, our defender and our, and our provider, has got to be more stronger. The, the second part of that is this, as he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You ever had lunch with your enemies? I don't recommend it. Maybe you have. But the scene of this chapter is this, is that <laughs> you're sitting at the table. When I was a kid and we had Thanksgiving dinner at my grandma's house, The adults sat at a table and the kids sat at a table. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let's set the scene in your mind. And as a kid, I would run all around that table trying to jump into their conversation. What's the adults talking about? It was usually politics. That's probably usually what it was. And I'd run all around that table trying to get a seat at that table. Let me tell you something. In Psalms 23, it tells me I have a seat at the table. My enemies may be sitting to the left of me, and fear may be sitting to the right of me. 
But sitting straight across from me is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to me. So when the, the thought of fear comes into our mind and the thought of I'm in the valley comes into my mind and the thought of worry comes into my mind and the thought of anxiety comes into my mind and when depression starts to slip into my mind, all I've got to do is change my posture and my focus. All I've got to do is, is maybe turn on some, some worship music when I'm driving down the car and I'm weeding in the yard. All I've got to do is, is get my eyes off the left or my eyes off the right and I put my eyes on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why? Because I'm not distracted by what's on the left of me or I'm not distracted by what's on the right of me. My eyes are on the King of Kings, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He told me in his word that he's never going to leave me and he's never going to forsake me. He told me in his word that there's promises that I can stand on. And I know this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should call upon his name shall be saved. You know what that tells me? I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. What does a parent do when they're with their child? They want to provide the absolute best of them. And so what's God going to do? He's going to provide the provision to see me through where I'm at. Amen? He's going to provide the provision to see where I'm at. Point number five is this as we begin to wrap it up. Is we've got to focus on God's eternal promises. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. Even when I don't deserve it. His goodness and his mercies are going to follow me. Even when I'm hard headed. His goodness and his mercies are going to follow me. Even when I give in to temptation and I give in to sin. His goodness and mercies are going to follow me. Even when I'm at the lowest point of my life, his goodness and his mercies are going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner that messes up every single day and says, God, you've got to forgive me. God, I need your mercies new every single day of my life. Ultimately, we've got to find our place in him. He's there to sustain us. He's there to guide us. Alec, you can come. I'm a youth guy. I don't get to speak very long. joking as we wrap up I'll share a story that I'm absolutely done sharing but I felt impressed upon God this week to share it I don't know why but in 2018 uh there was a, a gentleman in our community who lived in Stillville, and a very small 1,700 people community. And uh, 
guy had left his wife. All this, all this junk. Was an alcoholic. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, hey, I need you to be the light that this guy sees. Uh, okay. And so he asked me, he said, hey, would you be interested in coaching Little League Baseball with me? Yeah, man, this would be awesome. Yeah, I love baseball. I played it as a kid. Like, yeah, I'll play baseball with you. I'll coach. I sat in a dugout one night, and his kid was pitching and pitched really bad. So the dad went out there and yanked his kid out and probably screamed every cuss word from the pitcher's mound of the dugout at this kid. I'm like, God, you want me to invest in this thing? So that night, we went and we sat on the back of his truck, back in Texas. She's like, where are you at? Listen, I'm in Bourbon High School's parking lot talking to this dude about Jesus. It was cool. It was a cool moment. He didn't get saved. He was just playing some seed. He called me up. He's like, hey, he's like, uh, you want to play softball? I was like, yeah, dude. I really want to play softball. Where's Greg Smith at? I really want to play softball. I'd be like, Greg Smith, I want to retire on the softball field, all right? Yeah, I'll play softball with you. So the Friday night before camp, he called me back up. He's like, hey, I, I got a league. It's in Cuba. It's not the league we normally play in. Camp starts on Sunday. He's like, I know you're busy. You want to play softball tonight? And I was like, yeah, that's great. He's like, okay. He's like, I know you're a Christian guy. He's like, but it's it's beer league softball at its finest. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like sign me up. So I went out there. It was such a beer league. The umpire was drinking. I mean, just the whole, the whole, the rule was you couldn't have beer inside the white lines, but everywhere else. So the beer can was on the foul line, like just the league it was in. The only sober guy in the whole ball field that night was this guy. The only sober guy. I hit this ball. Man, it bounced off the fence. I'm like, man, I'm fat and I'm old and I'm at least going to get a double on this thing. Came around in first base and something gave out my knee. I'm old. About 36 years old, you know, you start hitting that downward hill at 40 and it's like everything's breaking. So I was like, man, I, yeah, I did something. I tweaked it, man. Something's not right. I just kept playing on it. I was like, hey, look, I'm having a good time. These guys are out of their mind anyway. Like, maybe I got a shot. So we went through camp that summer, and everybody kept saying, hey, you got you to gotta go get this thing checked out. And I was like, great. Like, as soon as camp gets over, like, I'll be there. Camp's a month long. When the month gets over, I'll go. The month gets over, and, and I go in, and the doctor's like, yeah, you tore this and this and this, and this happened. And, we're going to do surgery, and I'm like, great, that sounds awesome. I want to walk again. I'm walking like a, an idiot. You may look at me today and think I'm walking like an idiot, and I probably am. And so they went and they did surgery, and he told Becky, he said, man, I was able to fix a whole bunch of stuff, but he's like, when he wakes up, I got to tell him that he can't walk on this thing or put any pressure on it uh, for, for 90 days, eight weeks. And I was like, great, that's awesome so as soon as I wake up this doctor standing over me he's like listen your wife said you're hard headed I'm like, you know me pretty well 
He's like, you can't walk on that thing. No pressure. I didn't realize that when you don't use something, it doesn't work right. And so in that moment, it was okay. But as I was in that brace for eight weeks, those muscles got tight and weren't able to operate. So I began to go through some therapy, and they were having me bend it and do all these different things. But the biggest fear and anxiety hit my life that I've ever faced in my life. Somewhere there was a seed that was planted that you're never going to walk again. Who, who told me that? Nobody told me that. He said, for eight weeks, you can't put pressure. He said, go to therapy, and you're going to work this thing out, and you're going to walk again. But somewhere, the enemy came in because I gave him a gap. And he said, hey, you know what? You're never going to walk again. Hey, you know what? You're never going to be the same again. And I'd lay there in bed, and I'd be like, man, this is the absolute worst life. And fear and depression and anxiety, all these different emotions came over my life. And I was driving. I finally got cleared to drive. This brace was locked out, and it was like straight up. I was driving with this foot. I was able to drive, and they went to therapy that day. As depressed as can be, therapy was in Columbia. I drove two hours and 15 minutes from our front porch to that, that therapy office. And I sat there in that truck, and I began to weep. And I was like, God, I, I can't do this. Why? Because fear came in. Anxiety, worry, depression came in. I let it in. And there was a song by Elevation that it's buried on the bottom of the chart somewhere where the elevation hits. But the song's called Here Again. And if that song played on the radio once a day, it probably played on the radio 30 times that day. And there's a part of that song that says you can't go back to the beginning. I, I couldn't go back to the beginning to fix it. I was stuck in the valley, as Psalms 23 says. And the only way I was going to see through was to remember how great my God is. And you know what happened? There was a breakthrough that happened in my truck that day. I walked to the therapy appointment. The lady's like, hey, great. We're going to walk backwards on a treadmill. Okay, look, I can go walk frontwards on a treadmill. <laughs> you want me to walk backwards on a treadmill? It's the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. You're trying to make this thing go, and it doesn't want to go. But there was a determination because my soul and my mind was quiet from the distraction and the noise. I don't know what you're facing in this room today. You're probably not even facing a physical struggle in your body the way that I did. Maybe it's a mental deal. Maybe it's a financial deal. Maybe it's a situation like my sister deals with at work. Where all of a sudden these seeds or these thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry come in. When I read Psalms 23, the 
greatness of God outweighs the negativity. So I want to change my posture from my problem to his provision. From my struggle to his greatness. From my worry and doubt and fear to his renewal of my mind that gives me strength from day to day. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you right now. Father, for the opportunity to come into this place. Father, you take us just as we are. God, some of us in this room, we've got life figured out. We're rolling. But Father, some of us, we're sitting in this place and we're hiding or disguising the battle of our mind or the battle of our emotions. Father, I pray right now, Father, that you renew our minds. God, we set our hope, we set our eyes upon you. Father, not on the things that we're facing, not on our struggles, not on our difficulties, not on our lack. But Father, we put them on you. Father, we know that you are our shepherd. Father, we know that we lack nothing. Father, we know that your goodness and love is going to follow us all the days of our life. Father, we thank you right now. Here's what I want to do. I'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I, I believe in giving you the opportunity to accept Christ. You see, that's the foundation all of it is, is accepting Christ as our Savior and prioritizing God first. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and with our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that we can be saved. It's that simple. What I like to do is I like to do it corporately so that maybe you pray and it, maybe you're a Christian, you pray and it will give the person on the left of you or the right of you the inspiration or the, the ability to push through the doubt to pray this prayer. So I want you all to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I pray right now that you come into my heart and that you come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. And Jesus, I'm going to overcome the struggles that I'm facing. And I thank you for your son. stand with us all across this place. And so here's what I want you to do as Alec plays and sings. Just spend some moments because it's in your worship that's going to be your breakthrough. It's in your worship that's going to power you through the struggle that you're facing. So stretch those hands towards heaven this morning and open up your minds and open up your hearts. Father, bless us right now as we see.